I must have been in grade three, maybe. And there was like a Hot Wheels set. And she's like, I'll get this for you for Christmas if you want. And I said, Mom, don't worry about it. Santa Claus will give it to me. And she's like, what? Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, we're back for another episode of Medical Dads. Dr. Harmon, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. And a ho, ho, ho to you too, Mr. Cratchit. Yeah, I'm feeling holly and jolly. In case the people are wondering, Dr. Harmon just did an overnight shift in the hospital, so he might be a little bit off today. Only as off as usual, I'd imagine. <laughs> but we'll try to muddle through. We thought it would be a good idea to do an episode where we talk a little bit about the holiday season and share some parenting stories and advice about Christmas, actually. That's right. As we record this, it's about uh, coming up close to mid-December. But we'll promise we'll get this episode out to you before Christmas actually hits. That's right. That's our Christmas present to you. <laughs> so for me, Christmas is like a great time of year. Like even growing up in Canada, like this was always like my favorite holiday season. And like it's just the idea of being at home with your family and celebrating eating it's it's a it's a really nice time of year and now that i'm a parent it like i'm really pushing to try to like allow my children to have that same feeling towards this time of year and it's pretty easy to do honestly like they already have the the bonus of not having to go to school for two weeks <laughs> so that's what they're it's, it's easy to make them satisfied with this time of year yeah likewise i i, I just loved christmas when i was a kid even though uh it was a lot of pressure on the family i think uh, I think mm -hmm. my, my my parents, I think my dad always had a very specific sort of vision of how they want Christmas to go. And so uh, any deviation from that could often lead to Christmas getting kind of tense. Um, <laughs> and yet when I think back on my childhood, I all those sort of good, like happy memories of Christmas, the whole Christmas season stick with me way more than the uh, than all the sort of psychologically scarring memories I've repressed. <laughs> and we will get into those psychological scarred memories in a bit. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I'm, I mean, in our household, like every year, like the big thing that signifies the beginning of the Christmas season is when we get our tree up finally. And the kids are old enough now where they're clamoring for the tree to appear. Yeah. Right. So my rule is that we cannot bring the tree in before December hits. It's too early. Hey, okay. <laughs> right? that's, that's the same as me. <laughs> there is something though like if you go to obviously i mean all parents know if you're out shopping like mid-november the christmas decorations are up in the mall right so it gets early and earlier every year yeah i mean some years uh you're going out and trying to find stuff for halloween and there's already the christmas stuff on the shelf next to the halloween stuff yeah it's crazy and and now as a parent like like definitely like because in the u.s christmas uh not christmas but thanksgiving is like the last thursday of november yeah. as soon as that ends you have black friday sales which really is the beginning of christmas shopping right right and then then you're off right and then you realize as a parent too that by the time you get to christmas itself it's time to start thinking about next summer like your children's <laughs> summer camps and summer <laughs> programs need to be planned because if you don't have that ready by february you missed the boat on that already so everything gets really condensed 
like in terms of the calendar for children and parents? Yeah, I wonder how how children see it from their point of view. Because I don't like the idea of Christmas carols playing around the house and lights up and decorations before December first. I guess maybe just for maybe a, a bit of a feeling of if we if we're doing it for two three months straight, uh, it's sort of going to dilute that magic a little bit. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to be tired of hearing Christmas carols before Christmas actually hits. <laughs> I do remember as a kid. You know, of course, you're excited and love the idea of Christmas, and your concept of time is a lot more fluid. Right. I remember going to the mall as a small kid, and thinking to myself, "Oh, they've already got the Christmas decorations up! Oh my gosh, this is amazing! It means Christmas is coming soon! Oh, it's great!" Uh, and I don't know if it's that back then they didn't put the decorations out as early as they do now, or if it's just that as a kid I totally didn't care, and it's only now as an old guy that I've become more Grinch-like about the whole thing. <laughs> So my son is like three this year and he's, I think it's the first time. Well, actually he was pretty excited when he saw the tree last year, but this year he's like really into it. He's been clamoring for it for days. And so I was like, okay, I'll put it up this weekend. I'll put it up this weekend. And we got to like last night it was Sunday night. Like the weekend's about to end. And I'm like, if dad doesn't get this tree up tonight, there's no time during the weekdays and we're gonna have to wait another week. Which for a three-year-old is like waiting a month. We had to delay bedtime just to get this tree up. And my son was really excited. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going downstairs to get the tree. Like, we have, like, a plastic tree. And he's he follows me down there. He's like, I want to help. I get it out. I get the ornaments up. Like, we have a giant box of ornaments. And then he's insisting on helping, right? But you know he's not really able to do that much at age three. So I give him those little metal hooks. Yeah. And you have to hook into the ornament and put it on the tree. Metal hooks for a three-year-old. I can't go wrong. He probably worked on like two ornaments with two hooks for about an hour, right? While I put up most of it and then my wife and my daughter came and did the rest and he's still working on that one ornament. At one point, like I'm trying to show him like, you know, medical dad in a good Christmas spirit. I'm like, you know, this is how you hook the ornament. You like stick it through the little hole and the bigger end of the hook yeah. goes on the tree. He's And then he, he won't let go, right? So he's not really letting me. And then he's he's tugging at the ball. So the next thing you hear medical dad is like, Give me the ball. <laughs> Give me the ball. Let go of the ball. Hold on. You're going to break the ball, right? There's glitter everywhere. It's like crazy, right? I mean, that's how most interactions go with my son at this but age. He's not using a, a glass ball, is he? No, no, no. We have, we, have, we have those little like shiny ornaments, right? If they fall on the ground, nothing really happens. Oh, okay, okay. So he just needs his tetanus shot up to date so he can play with the rusty metal hooks and then he's, he's good to go. So our tree is set up so that there's a lot of things hanging at his height and my daughter's height. And then the, <laughs> and then the back and the top are a little bit more scattered. It's a, it's a, but it's nice because we, we got this tree when my daughter was born. My sister brought it over. So yeah. it's year six now. I can keep track of the age of the tree because that's the age of my daughter. And there's some there's something about how like plastic or or these like artificial trees are actually worse for the environment than real trees. And I have to use it for about 15 years before I break even environmentally. So I got nine more years to go with this thing before one day I actually get a real tree and we become like white people for once. <laughs> Each year you're reducing your carbon footprint by, by extending the life <laughs> of that tree. Yes. Well, yeah. So that story kind of brings up two different things that we can start talking about. One, the whole idea of artificial tree versus real tree. Uh, and the other, it's the experience of kids and, and decorating trees with kids. I mean, I remember as a kid loving the initial part of, of decorating the Christmas tree. 
like the novelty of the decorations coming out and that type of stuff. And I certainly remember enjoying just sitting there looking at the lit up tree with all the, the glitter, like the tinsel and the ornaments. But definitely, I also remember that, you know, after f- putting on the first few balls and stuff, decorating the tree actually does start to feel like a bit of a chore. <laughs> you know, like it's a whole tree to decorate. <laughs> and I'm sure that when we were decorating the tree as a kid, I probably was only yeah helpful for about 10% of the work that was being done. But didn't you have like four siblings or something? Like each of you only has to do like five minutes and you're done. Well, I mean, if each of us does 10% of the work, that's still 60% of the tree has to be done by <laughs> one or two parents. Which is but, still better than 100% being done by the parents. That's right. But I think you know people have the sort of romanticized uh, memory or idea of, you know, the whole family puts up the tree and you make your popcorn string garland that you put around the tree and all that type of stuff. Right. But then in actual reality, when you're trying to do this with young kids, the whole experience from start to finish isn't one like joyful, happy <laughs> experience going at like a gradual pace, telling stories and listening to music. Uh, eventually, it's the kids now distracted and off doing other things while the parents are still doing the bulk of the, of the work. <laughs> well, I, like one year, I think actually it was last year, like I was so busy and they kept my daughter wanted the tree up and we knew that Christmas is coming. At some point, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna let the I'm just gonna let the nanny put up the tree. Like I'm just gonna build the plastic tree and give her the box of ornaments and like hang these ornaments up for me. Like just outsource these like fun family like events to other people. So then, um, on Christmas Day, is the nanny gonna be the one opening the presents with the kids and uh, carving the turkey? I mean, <laughs> you it's, guys are. It's. I mean, we did a whole episode on nannies and all this yeah. stuff. I mean, but this year I was like, no, I we got to put it up ourselves. Like in principle, like some things you just have to do yourself. Well, we've got uh, there are two sets of grandparents here uh, who also have this idea that like, oh, it's so magical to put up and decorate a tree with kids. So right. like in the sort of busy December with like weekends and, and free time at a premium because you're doing all these things to prepare for Christmas twice we find a day to get the kids to go over to the grandparents place to decorate the tree <laughs> and yeah uh, you go and uh, the kids do some stuff for about five minutes but then especially when you get all like different sets of grandkids all together they just get excited want to play with each other and then yeah here I am decorating two more Christmas yes he wouldn't it be nice if you had a nanny that you could bring along for that part and then you could get busy playing with the kids also if I could just send the nanny to my to the in-laws and to my parents <laughs> place and just get the nanny to do the whole thing we wouldn't have to bring the kids over yeah, absolutely absolutely I mean I had this I had a similar conversation to with my brother-in-law this morning we were talking about this whole concept of like hired help and how useful it can be and it occurred to me that like you know in Batman like all these years we've been making the joke that like the reason Batman is a superhero is because he has a lot of money right that's his that is yeah. his superpower but yeah. what we really realize as parents is that the reason Batman is a superhero is because he has Alfred. Like having that guy in the background that does all this stuff for you, that's amazing. Like that is the way to go, I think. Yeah, it, it still ties back to money a little bit because I'm sure a, a butler like Alfred doesn't come cheap. But yeah, if, if, if there was no Alfred, there'd definitely be no Batman. <laughs> you know, the bat signal would be shining in the sky and Batman would be like, ah, yeah, I'd like to get that, but... 
oh, I got to file my taxes like by tonight. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be getting a, to pay a penalty. There would be nothing. There'd be no way to carry out any of the business of Gotham City without a, a person in the background. Well, I mean, that that is also the other part of Batman's power, right? Is that he's got no kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not really a power. Like having like, what is the word for it? Like uh, dependence. Like, what the what's the word for when you sorry i'm drawing a blank the word for when you can't have children like he, batman is like sleeping around with like oh uh, infertility yeah, yeah infertility that's his other secret power <laughs> well i think uh yeah he, probably very early on in his uh, interactions with catwoman he realized that the bat vasectomy was probably the way to go <laughs> anyways we are way off topic on christmas <laughs> <laughs> ho 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 so <laughs> but getting back to the tree although i am complaining that it's like uh, uh it starts to feel like work to put up the tree it starts to feel like a bit of a chore uh the kids do love that moment of coming and seeing the tree ready to be decorated mm-hmm. especially because our tree has uh, has sort of lights already strung on it so as opposed to my kids usually like sort of begging me to put it up put it up and then i put it up while they're there often what happens is uh, as we're getting close to December, my wife is also like, you know, yeah, it'd be great if you could like get the tree out and stuff. And then I, I like to sort of like put it up when everybody's out of the room or, or <laughs> when uh, uh, I'm I'm home and everybody else is still at school to work. So that and I love that moment when they come in and see that oh the tree is up. So speaking about the chore aspect of Christmas trees, there is a real chore with Christmas trees, and it comes at the back end, like in January when you have to take the tree down. So Uh, for medical dad in Ottawa, what is your process for that? Like, what's the latest in the year that the tree has come down? Like, do you have a thing like December? The tree can't appear until December, but when can it be removed? We don't have a rule about it here, but I actually try to get it down uh, within a few days of uh, New Year's because uh, once you're starting to have to go back to work, it's too depressing (laughs) to, to be sort of halfway between uh, Christmas mode, holiday mode, and 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 work reality. <laughs> so usually, what happens is uh, if it's not gone before uh, the kids go back to school, uh, then like on the first or second day when they, when they're back at school, medical dad's taken out the tree. So <laughs> that's pretty amazing because I'm gonna say medical dad over here, like our tree routinely hits late January, possibly February before we remove it. And oh wow, so you're decorating it with Valentine's Day decorations. No, we're not decorating. It just sits there, right? Uh-huh. And and we just don't have the energy to like remove it. And in all fairness, I think this is something I inherited from my mom who eventually just left the tree up year round. Like in her basement there was a tree year round like until last year she finally got fed up with it like it had been there for years since since like me and my sister lived in the house so probably for 15 years the yeah. world record of longest christmas tree in service and my mom got fed up with it and told her helper at the house take this thing down throw it in the garbage i never want to see it again and that was how it ended well so she was doing her bit for the environment <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> So it sounds like you guys may actually one day have a tree that does actually biodegrade. Like it actually does completely break down. <laughs> the first piece of plastic to truly disappear from the earth. That's right. It'll do it while still up in your living room. <laughs> so my sister this year decided to get a real tree. Apparently they have real trees at Ikea. I didn't even know this. What? So they brought a real tree. And then I'm like, I'm look, listening. I'm like, 
this is a good idea. Like, I want to get a real tree. Like, I've heard from people that I know that it's like a family tradition that they go out to, you know, get the real tree and bring it in yeah. and it smells nice. I yeah. mentioned it to my wife and she immediately comes up with, you know what? I heard that you can bring a tick into your house with those trees. You don't want to get Lyme disease. And I'm like, <laughs> is that an actual medical advice? Is that like a doctor thing? Like, I looked it up last night. Okay. and And there are some scant articles about it dating back years and years that some people report that they can bring a tick into the house, but I don't really want to spoil Christmas for all these people out there. <laughs> Never mind spoil Christmas. I mean, uh, like people are so afraid of Lyme disease that not only can they not go out of their house into the forest, that they can't even come into contact with a tree. How <laughs> that's no way to live. <laughs> you know, just uh, do, like, if people are if people are able to go camping. <laughs> and then come back and then just do a, t- a tick check on their body. Then surely you can have a Christmas tree and just check yourself for ticks every 72 hours. <laughs> Quite frankly, we're not camping either. <laughs> like there's, yeah. there, there's, a, there's a great overlap in the population of people who do not use natural trees and the people who do not go camping. Like, <laughs> I suspect that the uh, Ikea tree might not be the type of tree that are carrying ticks. Like it's a real tree, but you still have to assemble it with like a, a, one of these Allen keys or, or hex keys. <laughs> yeah. With an instruction manual that has no words and just pictures. Yeah, yeah that's right. With a, a, a graphic of a guy on the phone with the phone line hooked up to the Ikea building. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got, so from what you're saying, you guys are also using a plastic tree then. Uh, yeah, we're using a fake tree. Uh, not that we've never had, or not that I've never had a, a real tree. Um, so when my when I was a kid, my parents had had real trees a couple of times before I was born, and probably like a lot of parent relationships back in the in the late seventies, early eighties, when the tree at the end of the season had all the like needles and all the stuff like to be cleaned up, it was my mom who was the one cleaning it up. So she was the one who put her foot down at one point and said, uh, you know, if I'm the one who's going to have to deal with the mess of a real tree, then we're, we're going to get a fake tree. So as far as I can remember from my first Christmas, we had a uh, we had an artificial tree. And the thing when you have an artificial tree uh, is that when it gets put up over and over again, and that's what you're used to, there starts to become a certain nostalgic tradition to that specific artificial tree. Right. So, so there was a year when we got a real tree. Um, but it just felt so wrong not to have our tradition that we also ended up putting up the fake tree. Um, and then moreover from that, over the years, the fake tree started to like deteriorate, but that specific type of tree that it was like, uh, now we say a plastic tree, but when I was a kid, a fake tree actually was still had a lot of wood and metal in it. So this was a, a wooden pole with notches in it. And then you had to assemble the branches one by one. Like you had a big box full of, of branches and each branch had a little color on it and you had to correspond that with the color on the on the notch on the tree um wow. yeah and so you put it so it all it kind of looked like a a wooden stick with a bunch of uh, fancy coat hangers and then fake neat pine needles <laughs> wound into each uh, hanger all this to say that when the tree was like falling apart and we needed to replace it we couldn't find another tree that looked like this tree so my mom bought a second fake tree and then again because we missed the experience of the original fake tree we now had two fake trees up one good one and one that's like <laughs> held together with duct tape <laughs> so what about decorating the rest of your house like i mean so we've talked about trees but do you guys like put up lights outside like do you string lights on your trees or bushes on the outside of the house uh yes well we do um uh, and usually my strategy is there's always one 
unseasonably warm day in November here in Ottawa. And I always try to get hit that day and use that day to, to string the lights up. <laughs> right. I don't know. I have not actually ever done that myself, although my dad did when we were growing up. And I remember like, again, it was the same thing. Like the lights would go up and then they wouldn't come down for the whole year. And you'd get to a point where, you know how like colored lights, like red, blue, yellow, yes. eventually the color would just wash off and they'd just all be yellow lights at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was our house. Yeah, there's always a few houses like that where people are sort of like, <laughs> you know what, they kind of look like they were just white bulbs. Uh, but you can always tell the difference between what bulbs were white when you bought them and which ones, you know, are. They're mostly white, but different shades of off-white with a few still having some orange on them. But I'll admit, uh, we were a bit like that in my family as well when I was a kid. My dad would, like, we had to really push him to put up the lights. It was something that, uh, I don't think that was a tradition for him growing up. So we had to push him to do it, and then he would do it. But then, of course, uh, that it was his job to take them down, and they didn't get done. Well, you always hear about it, right? Like, you're in, you're an emerge doc. Like, people falling off, putting up putting up lights, you know, back injuries. Like, this doesn't seem worth it to me. Like, we can enjoy We're not even outside that much in the wintertime. Like, especially in the evening when the lights would actually be That's on. Right. Now, I'm a peds emerge doc, so uh, I don't... If I do see a story about a kid who's been forced to clamber up to the roof to put on the lights and then falls down <laughs> hurts himself, that usually does call, prompt a call to Child Protection Services. But so... You uh, that the whole idea of being a, a like a second generation immigrant is supposed to be that you achieve more than your parents. That's that's their goal and dream for you. So you're telling me that your dad strung up lights and you know he, he didn't do it up to par because he wasn't taking them down on time. But you, instead of becoming better at it, you've regressed and you're worse than he was. <laughs> well, well, well. It's it has something to do with like you know the first generation immigrant is trying hard to fit in so you know when he came to canada he wants to fit in and just be normal he doesn't want people to notice that he's like he's like a he's chinese right as much as possible and you want to you want to carry on the traditions of your community when you get to the second generation you start to develop like this like you know pride in your ethnicity and you don't want to fit in anymore right so you know we don't we don't need to adopt all the habits of people right we have chinese restaurants in toronto now we don't have to eat pizza every day i don't know that sounds like a pretty thinly veiled <laughs> excuse for being just too lazy to put up your christmas lights <laughs> i mean it, that happens with a lot of things like i think like as we got older my parents were not interested in putting up the lights anymore eventually we just did away with this whole business yeah. altogether and we've like i'm just too busy to deal with this like there are there are podcasts to record when i could be putting up lights and i there is a part of me that's like this is just a waste of electricity like you get led lights now and the street is lit up like what difference does it really make at the end of the day like apparently people can't see stars anymore because the cities are so bright right the amount of like light pollution that this stuff is causing for the world an interesting rationale uncle scrooge i don't put up lights these high efficiency led lights that cost a fraction of the electricity that our parents use are still using up too much electricity and and the light pollution people can't see stars from december 1st to december 26th but yeah i guess i guess if uh, if the jesus story happened now the three wise men wouldn't have even made it to to bethlehem because they're like i can't see the north star we got as close we got as far as the edge of the city and all these christmas lights i can't see where i'm going but uh although i will admit i also so i always had this thing in my mind that you know i can't let me be like my 
my father uh, in terms of letting the lights get up there so long they're ruined. But I still don't get them. I stopped putting them on after, uh, usually after New Year's Day, I stopped putting the lights on. But um, I sometimes don't get them down until until close to the spring. It's just that these these new lights don't fade out as fast from the from being from being weathered as the lights of my parents' generation. <laughs> One of the things that I thought of when we were going to talk about this episode is this whole business of Santa Claus. Okay. And I'm curious as to what your approach is when talking about Santa Claus with your children. Okay. Like, do you have you have you maintained the facade that Santa Claus exists for all of them, or did you do away with that? Like, what was your take? Yeah, on that? you know, probably when they were around six, I had to. Uh, to sit down with them and have an honest conversation saying, look, guys, I have no idea how these presents are getting into your stockings on Christmas morning. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not saying it is Santa Claus, but I don't know who else would break into our house just so they could stuff toys in your socks. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know where these presents are coming from. <laughs> but uh, all I can say is that you better behave all year round. So your old, your oldest daughter is nine, right? Yeah. And so she still she still is aware of Santa Claus and believes in Santa Claus at this point. Well, so my approach when the kids were very young is I never wanted to go to extreme lengths uh, to try to convince them something other than what they what they believe. You know, like I never flat out kind of like told them elaborate lies, uh, and I never went to like like sprinkling like rain reindeer turds on the in the backyard and footprints on the doorstep and you know like all that st- things that you see people do to, to try to really keep the, ma- the the magic going longer than it, it naturally would um but because of having four kids that means that their age is sort of distributed where i got some kids who are old enough where you know yeah they don't need to believe in santa claus specifically anymore uh, and then i've still got younger kids who um, like they're still getting something out of that idea of believing and they're still at the age where it's sort of appropriate for them to sort of believe. Uh, you know, my youngest kid is old enough that even if somebody tells her that there's no Santa Claus, there's still part of her mind that would be like, well, but maybe there is. And, you know, like if I'm still afraid of the dark and ghosts, then surely they, they could, there could be possibly be something positive like a Santa Claus. But if my kids ask me flat out, look, is there a Santa Claus or not? My answer would be, well... If there was no Santa Claus, then the like somebody like your parents would have to love you like so much to go through all the hassle of figuring out what kind of presents you want, going to the store and buying them, wrapping them, staying up late at night, sneaking these things into your stock <laughs> after you've fallen asleep and doing this year after year. Like who would love you enough to do all that? So that's my response for when, <laughs> when older kids are asking me about Santa Claus. Um uh, for when they when they were younger, like I think my oldest daughter was maybe about three, and she sort of asked me something along the lines of like, "But is there really a Santa Claus?" And at the time, my response was, uh, "You know, I, look, honey, I've I've never seen Santa Claus. I only have heard the same stories that you've heard, so I don't have any proof for any of this stuff. But from what I've heard, this is what's supposed to happen. This is how it's supposed to work. And well, let's put up stockings this year and and see what happens." Now, because I've got somewhat older kids and younger kids all in the same household, uh, I'm not I'm not too blunt uh, in answering questions to my older kids, even though I already know that they know the score, just because I can't trust them not to repeat word for word what I tell them to the little kids. <laughs> now, doesn't this seem a little bit like much? Like, it seems like a giant, elaborate 
like ruse that you have to maintain and then as the children get older you have to you have to enlist the older children to help you maintain this ruse for the younger children why not just do away with this altogether i mean uh you could do away with it altogether but uh the question you have to ask yourself at the end of the day is that for the for the period of time when the kids are enjoying it uh do they enjoy it more than any of the negative consequences that come so this was something that I actually changed from like how I was raised because I actually was one of these really foolish, gullible kids that believed in Santa Claus way beyond the point of time when it was appropriate to do so. Like you were talking teenager years? No, no, not quite teenager. But I, my mom remembers this. Like she took me shopping one year and I, I must have been in grade three maybe. And yeah. there was like a Hot Wheels set. And she's like, I'll get this for you for Christmas if you want. And I said, Mom, don't worry about it. Santa Claus will give it to me. And she's like, what? You still believe in this? And and then I was, and then I was like, what? It's not real? And then and it was just humiliating. So I was like, I was like, I don't want my children to go through that. So when they were small, pretty much right away, we just we told my daughter that there is no Santa Claus. It's just it's just a story and people tell it. But that's not the point of Christmas. And you know what? I don't feel like they're enjoying Christmas any less, you know, because at the end of the day, the presents are the thing and, you know, the family gatherings and the spirit of it is the thing. And whether there's this creepy white fat guy coming into our house in the middle of the night while we're all asleep, you know, <laughs> leaving things for us, that's not that important at the end of the day. Uh, so if Santa Claus was a Chinese guy, if Santa Claus was Asian, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be keeping this ruse up until she's in her 20s. <laughs> Well, absolutely, because there's so few traditions that are Chinese. We got to cling to them all. But I'm just knocking down the barriers one at a time where I can. Right from the beginning, I tell you, like, look, don't believe in white people. Don't put your faith and belief in white people. Seth. I think there's another part we're going to have to edit here. It's funny, though, because I, I do have friends who have stories about being afraid to go and see Santa Claus and, and specifically <laughs> being afraid to have to sit on Santa Claus's lap. <laughs> that OK, since you mentioned that, that is a, a whole other creepy thing. Like like and I see parents like lining up in the malls to take a picture with Santa. And, you know, we've had the discussion, too. Like, do we want a picture with Santa? And I've had pictures taken with Santa. As a parent, especially of a daughter, I do feel like this is a little bit odd, right? And this, like, if they don't want to take the picture, why bother, right? Like, why make them sit on the lap of a stranger? Like, that's not a behavior we endorse at any other time of year. But because it's Santa Claus, supposedly, and he has a red suit on, and he's in costume, that makes it okay? Like, like... Yeah. You know how hard it is for a teacher at a school to put a hand on a student? Like you're not you're not allowed to have the student sit on your lap when you're a teacher. Yeah. And the teachers have to get like this like police like a, like there's a there's a form they got to get from the police that verifies this person has no like history. Like I don't see that form posted in the mall before we line up our kids next to them. Santa Claus isn't really like a teacher. He's more comparable to a celebrity. You know, he's like, you, but you do. He's not a stranger. You do know him through all the media and merchandise. You know this guy. So it's less about like, you know, is it okay to sit on Santa's lap? It's uh, and 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 could you sit on your teacher's lap? It's more like um, if you met uh, Bill Cosby. You know, you know this guy. I don't know if Bill Cosby's the example you want to be listing in this. <laughs> Maybe the Kardashians would be better. We know them. You know, there is potentially an upside to this idea that. You train your kids well that they're not supposed like there's certain things they're not supposed to do with strangers, but 
like Santa Claus is the exception. And that helps break them to the idea that, yeah, when you go to the doctor's office as well, there's this person who, yeah, they're supposed to be able to examine you and do things that other people shouldn't be doing. But it's okay because <laughs> they're in that elite list of people, Santa Claus and doctors. <laughs> I feel like maybe you should just take your child to for an extra dentist visit, an extra doctor visit, instead of throwing in this costumed man. Well, if the, if the dentist wants my kids to sit on the lap, actually, that's probably a problem. And who wants to get a Christmas card with a picture of your friend's kids sitting on their doctor's lap? And I'm going to point out that Santa Claus photo then appears like on your fridge for like six months, right? Like everyone else on my fridge is like really close family and friends yeah. and then random white guy with a beard. Like, I don't understand why that has to be there. <laughs> I think it's good that your kids are exposed to at least one white guy <laughs> or at least someone else who's not Chinese. <laughs> You've heard about Black Pete. In some countries, they have Black Pete. And this this is actually like an ancient tradition that Santa Claus is accompanied by Black Pete. And if you're good, <laughs> Santa Claus gives you toys. But if you're bad, Black Pete punishes you. Is that a Christmas thing or is it like Kwanzaa? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think Kwanzaa does have its own guy. But if, if he's anything like my mom, then it doesn't matter whether you're bad or good. <laughs> he knows what you've been up to and you're going to get it. <laughs> but no, um, you know, Black Pete, like... Uh, uh, super racist when you look at him now uh, and it's actually hard to see how he wasn't racist even in a historical context but uh, yeah he's like a, he's been around for like quite some time but he was never <laughs> part of the North American schema I've never heard of Black Pete I'm going to look him up as soon as our episode is over oh, yeah you got to google this guy um, but I guess the thing with the whole Santa Claus issues right it's just like every other tradition um, because it is a tradition that goes back for a long time that's where it has a lot of its like meaning and value so trying to sort of argue to somebody who's who does Santa Claus with their kids that like, well, it's ridiculous and preposterous. So we just stop. Um, I mean, the same thing can be said about just about every other like the other tradition that people are doing at Christmas. Like there's so many things that you could say, well, this is not this is not practical. Um, so why don't you just do something else different? It's not yeah. just an issue of practicality, though, like. Like this whole idea of maintaining a ruse and lying to your children about something that clearly is not real and doing it for year after year. There's no, almost no other example of this in your child's upbringing. Like you spend all this time stressing honesty and, you know, telling the truth. And then we just concoct this elaborate fabrication. Like I don't when I when I sit down with my children and we watch like Star Wars or Sesame Street, I immediately if they ask, is this real? Is it not real? We explain what the difference between real and not real is. But that's that's the thing that bothers me. Well, I guess you guys don't have an elf on the shelf then. <laughs> and neither do we. Between uh, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and Santa Claus, I feel like <laughs> an elf on the shelf doll that has to move around every night for something like a month, uh, that, that, that would be the last straw that brings the camels back. <laughs> true, true, true. Let, let's change gears a little bit here and talk a little bit about what life is like as a medical dad or specifically as a medical doctor and how your work and Christmas affect each other. Because we've been through this in, in my life, and I'm sure you do too as an emergency room doctor, that you actually, like a lot of people have Christmas, spend Christmas at home with their family. Like I think it's the only time of the year where you get like these two consecutive stat holidays, like December 25th and 26th here in Canada, where everyone's at home. But this is not true for a physician in the hospital. So what's that, what's that like for you? Yeah, this is, I think anybody who works uh, a type of job where there's shift work or a type of job where the job still has to go on at Christmas can relate to, uh, to what we go through. Um, so mm -hmm. for, 
Well, what you go through, I don't go through this actually. Well, all the other cogs and their various jobs that have to keep spinning for the system to run uh, can can relate to this. So for me, uh, the way our schedule works uh, at the Chio Emergency Department is that you either get Christmas off or you get New Year's off, but you don't get both. Uh, and because Christmas is generally the popular one, uh, we alternate back and forth between whether you get Christmas off or whether you get New Year's off. So... Some Christmases, it's challenging to sort of uh, to make everything work the way you want to at home. Like, for example, this year, I'll be working overnight on Christmas Eve, uh, which means that from midnight until 8 on actual Christmas Day, I'm at the hospital. And rarely would I get out on time. Like, it's not usually that my shift ends at 8 and I just get to, like, sail out the door. So potentially, I might not be getting home until something like 10 o'clock. And so this year, we're going to have to figure out how to deal with this idea or aspect of my kids waking up early Christmas morning, wanting to open those stockings and and, uh, and start the, the whole Christmas fun, but having to wait for dad to get home. And dad then take a nap <laughs> into the afternoon. That That's not going to co- be incorporated into the, into the plans <laughs> for Christmas. There, there will be no nap for Christmas. So how does this work? You're working the 24th and the 25th? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if our listeners will find this all that interesting, but I go into work on the evening of the 23rd, and that shift finishes at 2 in the morning on the 24th, 2 in the morning on Christmas Eve. Uh, then I have another shift that I would be leaving my house uh, late in the evening on the 24th uh, with a shift that's going to start on, at midnight on Christmas Day, and then, uh, and then that shift goes until late in the morning on Christmas Day. This sounds terrible. This sounds terrible. I think... I think people out there need to know what a sacrifice that physicians make on your behalf for you to be in the hospital over Christmas. Uh, I mean, at least on paper, in theory, they shouldn't have to have any sympathy for me because if they're in the hospital on Christmas, they're there for reasons that are worse than mine. Um, right? Like if somebody actually has to show up to the hospital on like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, then they're not there because like, well, I've got a job to do. They're there because something unexpected and bad has happened to them that forced them to be hospital. Right. I mean, that gets into that whole urban myth. And maybe you can like speak to it about how a lot of people get really sick over the holidays. Like I think most of us have heard this somewhere where like Christmas and New Year's is a sad time of year. A lot of people pass away or they're just feeling depressed because it's a time of year where you you it, if you're if you are with your family, it's great. But for people who don't have family or things have happened in their life, it makes them feel twice as bad as usual. Is that an actual like medical statistic or something? There is definitely statistics to show that uh, rates of suicide are higher around the holidays. Um, mm-hmm. And that probably just has I mean, these people are still probably depressed at other times of the year. But I think at Christmas, where there's ex- expectation of it being a happy time, mm-hmm. that might make like drive it home that things are aren't going well. But um, I mean, I've never seen the movie "It's a Wonderful Life," but from my understanding, isn't the premise of that movie that a guy wants to kill himself around Christmas time, and then somebody shows him what the world would be like if he wasn't there, uh, and then an angel gets their wings? Is, maybe I'm asking the wrong person. I have not seen that movie either. I have not seen that movie either. <laughs> I guess the guy that doesn't uh, want to expose his kids to Santa Claus, doesn't put up Christmas lights, probably isn't the guy that's seen this black and white uh, Christmas carol or Christmas movie. I've seen I've seen a Christmas Carol, and your your storyline is neatly dovetails with that. Yeah. So yeah, I I in the emergency department in a because I'm again a pediatric emergency department, uh, I probably see 
more people coming in over the holidays just because the kids are out of school uh, and getting into trouble um, as opposed to that specifically they're depressed. And I can say it's because the holidays made them depressed. Um, certainly I'll see a lot of people with, uh, uh, you see a lot of people having difficulty when the holidays are over, like teenagers coming in with mental health problems or anxiety related issues. Uh, when the holidays are over and it's time to transition back to school, it's kind of like uh, facing going back to school um, and sort of the stressors with that. Sometimes that brings them in. Um, but uh, I can't say that I specifically see more mental health problems at Christmas. I, I mean, I'd have to look up the stats in my department. Maybe, maybe we do and I just don't realize it. Uh, as far as just getting sick in general around the holidays, there's, it, it does work out a bit problematic that Christmas falls in the middle of viral season. <laughs> like, like, it, like influenza is it's, it's at its peak time or, or like around Christmas. Right. So uh, that does not help. Our, our busiest day of the year is often Boxing Day. Really? Uh, because, yeah, because uh, there are a lot of people who are actually sick and belong in the emergency department on Christmas Eve uh, and Christmas Day who people try to push it a little bit longer so they can get through the holidays. And then Boxing Day, that's when things unravel and they show up in the emergency department. And then, of course, there's also the issue that over the holidays, walk-in clinics, family doctor's offices, other places where patients might go if they've got an issue are closed. And so even if it's not really an emergency, they've got nowhere else to go but the emergency department. You can't help but feel bad for these families that come in on, on Christmas Eve or early Christmas morning uh, saying like, okay, look, you got to fix me quick because I, you know, I got to get back in time for, for Christmas dinner or in time for Santa Claus or, you know, we got company coming over. Uh, but then when they see the waiting room and, and see how many people are in essentially the same boat as them, uh, you just know that somebody's, somebody's Christmas isn't going to go the way they planned it. I mean, I think the thing to close with is that Christmas is a very busy time of year for most parents, I think. Like your children are home and like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I've definitely noticed that by the time we hit December, not just the children, but the parents, like we're all ready for like a holiday. Like we've usually been going pretty steady since September. And it is nice just to have that period of time to recharge. Like no matter what your re religious affiliation is and whether you believe in Santa Claus or not, like it's just nice to be at home for a few days. And I find like from a medical standpoint, like my children they tend to start to get a little bit better because they're not at school. So it might be viral season, but the runny noses do clear up a little bit over the holiday. And then invariably we'll go to like a dinner with like, you know, three other families. And then by the end of the two weeks, they're sick again. Right. But, but it's just, it's, it is a much welcome break from the realities of life. And it comes at the end of the year, which is really nice. I think that's like a nice little way to, to wrap the thing up for the year. Indeed, we hope all our listeners out there are in a position this Christmas to relax a little bit, spend some time with family, get recharged to head into the 2020s. And if you're sick and you have to come to hospital on Christmas, well, hey, that's what we're here for. So see you on Christmas. <laughs> I cannot attest to that. My office will be closed for Christmas, but I'll see you in January. <laughs> um, maybe it's a good opportunity also uh, to just thank our audience uh, for sticking with us so far. Yes, it's been an interesting couple of months. We've made a lot of episodes and we're looking forward to making more in the new year. But we may take a couple weeks off after Christmas just to recharge our batteries a little bit. And this is with the pre-assumption that uh, this episode can be edited into something workable that you'll be able to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to everybody and have a good and safe happy holidays. God bless us, everyone. <laughs>